And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hi, Spencer. Hey, Joe. What are you doing? Um, I just got home from work, and I'm, uh... You know, I'm talking to you. All right. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's really nice to see you and hear your voice. It's been um, been a little while. Likewise. I think it was when I first moved to Seattle. Yeah, that was about seven years ago. <laughs> I must have been um, home for Christmas or something because I moved yeah. about 10 years ago. And you moved to Los Angeles. Yeah, we were in Los Angeles for eight years. And then um, we came here. And where's here? Uh, we're on the big island. My wife grew up here, and um, she wanted to come home. Oh, I didn't know she grew up there. That's cool. I have not been to the Big Island, but I love Hawaii as a state, and I love Kauai so much that I go there at least once a year. I've never been to any of the other islands, yeah, except I for the airport, Probably, I suppose, probably on Oahu. Right. How's it feeling there on the island? 
It's nice. It's fucking, it's great. I mean, you know, I try to not be um, overly enthusiastic. I would like, if I were a stronger person, I would act as though it was kind of crappy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a change. I mean, we're in like a rural part of the island. And um, the way I see kind of like what we've done at this point is that, in fact, we're sort of like the um, hipsters that think they're going to move out to the country and be like yeah. homesteaders yeah. or something. Yeah. And it always yeah. ends the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Portland. Yes. <laughs> Back to Southeast Portland. Yeah. <laughs> wow, but, that's my same uh, apartment. But it's but we're we'll we'll we're gonna, we'll stick it out. It's it's awesome. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's just like a um, you know, you would just have to be if you lived in the city your whole life, you know. And we lived in Los Angeles for eight years, and I, I fucking loved it. I, I never stopped loving Los Angeles. I, it has, has so much um, beauty and romance for me, but um, I can't imagine going back. I mean, I can't imagine going back there. I can't live in Seattle. And the physical beauty we're surrounded by and the um, ability to have the option of, like, um, you know, we have, like, a, a house with a, with a pretty good-sized yard and all of this... Uh, you know, plants and space. And if I want to build something, I, I have the space to do that and whatever. Do you have animals? I hear some, I hear some animals back there, but our neighbors have a lot of chickens. Mm-hmm. They raise chickens. And, um, then we just have Frank, our, uh, our multi poo. Multi poo. Yeah. I know you, you have the big poo. You've got a big, poo. I have the big poo. I have the, yeah. Uh, yeah. I have the golden doodle. Yeah. The golden doodle. <laughs> Coco was a golden doodle doodle owner previously. Um the little the smaller packages has offers has some, leaves something to be desired in my opinion. <laughs> oh man. But no, of course, I mean of course the golden doodle can do things the multi poo could never do. <laughs> I know that. That that is something that kind of keeps me awake at night. But yeah. <laughs> But I love the big guy. Yeah. Have I ever told you what my... No, because I probably haven't seen you. My golden doodle's name is Sonny and the Sunsets Smith. Oh, yeah. That's, no, I know name. the story, though, because I, I follow you on your... Um, oh. On, on the internet. Yeah. And I know that your, uh, your child named the dog. Yes. And After... that's a, it's a good name. Yeah, it is a good It's name. like a racehorse name. It is. That's right. You could see that on a racing form. Yeah, your it could have your dog could have been um, son of Danzig. <laughs> Speaking of that, one of my favorite racehorse names that which I saw at some bar in San Diego on a like a vintage racing form was mm-hmm. TV Indian. Oh wow, that is good. Kind of interesting, right? Yeah, I named a song after it. Nice. Um, so in the last uh, couple of years, things have changed for everyone in the world especially us rock and roll people. Um, I don't know how much you've been touring, but I imagine you've been making records and doing artistic things. Is there anything that you've picked up that surprised you? Is there anything weird you're doing these days or did in the last couple of years? Maybe, maybe it was a bad habit and you stopped doing it. Uh, well, um, 
No. 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 I mean, you know, it's like, as far as like, um, you know, if we're talking about the pandemic, basically we moved here about like six months before that hit. Oh, okay. And um, we really only experienced it through the um, trauma of distant loved ones. Okay. And and then also the only way that it, the way the main way to well thank well I was happy to not play shows. I was I was stoked to have an excuse to not play shows for that time period mm-hmm. to get settled in where I'm at and everything and um just have that totally off the table was 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 helpful. The only way that that stuff affected me negatively was knowing that people that I cared about were going through trauma and that I just moved to a new place. I couldn't see anyone's fucking face and you weren't Mm -hmm. supposed to socialize very much. And so it made it weird. Right. But my work, I was laid off for like one day. Mm -hmm. One day. Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, a longer period stretch might've been nice, but, um, (laughs) uh, so I thought maybe I was going to lose my job and then I didn't. And then, um, you didn't say, you know what? I quit. No, you that, that, was, that was later, but I'm still there. So we, my job was deemed, um, you know, essential or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't get any time off. I didn't get sick. <laughs> uh, you know, it just life, life moved on. It was really fucking awesome for a minute, actually, because the beach is closed and that was really sad and sucked. But then when they opened up again, but tourism was still completely non-existent, it was really, really nice. It was amazing. And you literally, even someone who had just not been here very long, you could see um, like the return of coastal ocean life that doesn't hang around on crowded beaches. But when the things empty out, then there's like life. And that was nice. You were fast paced and do a local. Uh, I would never. I would not call myself that. Um, I. I would. I, I strive to. Um, maybe. Uh, maybe before I die, I could achieve like um, Kamina Howley status or something like that. Okay. But locals pretty much out of the picture. I think. Yeah. Maybe like maybe if there's like grandbabies, maybe they could um, <laughs> be marginally local. <laughs> Um, well, man, I would, I want to talk about the Sam Krebs record in a lot of ways. First, I want, I want to talk about how it was made, etc. Um, but, but first, how did it all come about? What was the, uh, inspiration behind getting um, them together? And well, I know Brian Yeager through, I knew him through mutual friends and then, um, Deep Creep and uh, Murder City Devils did some did some shows together. Uh, me and Brian just kind of like were you know we would talk about music and and stuff like that. And then um, he sort of like he just kind of started sending me stuff on his phone. I guess I don't know. And then we just started. Um, we use this app called Spire, and he would send me mm. stuff on the phone. And then I would kind of write for it and send back vocals that I would record like, um, you know, on my um, iPhone headphones or whatever. 
And um, <clears throat> we went back and forth like that for a while. And then um, when we had enough for a record, we just went to uh, the studio in Georgetown, Kill Room with um, Ben. And um, then we got um, the drummer, Jeff Alvarez, who's also in Deep Creep, on board with us. And uh, those guys went in first and got some stuff going. It was like we sort of had it. We sort of like had these kind of like demos that um, we we weren't really true to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we went to we were it was like the demos were like, OK, we can do this together. So let's kind of throw this stuff in the garbage and just go in the studio and do see what happens. I mean, it's like the riffs were probably still there for, for the most part. And, and it was like, we just kind of decided to be like, you know, take it serious or whatever to, to a degree. And then when we got in the room and we did it all in just like a few days. So where I came into it or whatever, um, in the end, it was it was extremely spontaneous, really. Well, I I've been listening to it a lot, and um, and that was one of two records that I listened to when I went to New York City, ooh, for the first time in two years, and I walked around by myself and listened to it. It is uh, fucking radical. Oh, Joe, that's really nice. I love it, uh, and uh, I'd like to play "Walk the Ocean Floor." For the peoples to hear, Are you cool with that? Okay. One? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go.
That's a doozy. There's a lot of things that I love about that song. Double drums, I have to say first. Mm, yeah. Fucking A. Incredible. But more importantly, that repetitive lyric, um, I know you're enamored with uh, those oily children. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes. <laughs> Who would have thought that that, <laughs> that lyric, those words would stick in my head? It's incredible. Um and the record is, uh, I'd say, stylistically varied to my liking. A lot of things in there that are like heavy stuff, kind of uh, angular stuff like that tune. Um, I always, with like Brian's guitar playing, one of the reasons that I, I wanted to do stuff with him and that when he sort of like wanted to do stuff, I was stoked is because of his like, it seems like something that's really natural for him to go back to is that like post-punk kind of stabbing kind of guitar yeah. thing or whatever. There's some real riffage too. Some kind of epic guitar riff. But I guess that song might be more just straight kind of ambient. Yeah. Well, it's got that ambient bed of yeah. uh, synthesizer. And then I think oh, oh, we also sort of did a thing where it was like we sort of were comfortable with the sounds that Brian was making, but there wasn't necessarily like, like structurally wasn't like super solid. And so mm-hmm. when Jeff came in, we were just like, You're, it's your job to make it a song. Jeff did it. Yeah. <laughs> Tired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, again, with, with these songs are a little bit varied uh, stylistically. Is there a, is there a lyrical sentiment or, or anything that, that ties it together for you? Um, I, once it was done... I was sort of felt a certain kind some kind of a little bit of discomfort with the sort of overall what felt like kind of like a a darkness to it and mm-hmm. kind of a um I feel like that there is a kind of a point when it gets kind of deep into it where it's I I'm afraid that it comes across like I'm just like yelling at you but to me it, it it's like a union nightmare escape kind of and a lot of the lyrics were written when I was, um, you know, a stranger in a strange land and and also su- surrounded by all this intenseness of the earth. Because, like, I'm down, um, I'm down by the ocean, basically alone with my dog, minimum, you know, probably, I guess, maybe like four days a week yeah. um, in these, like, empty landscapes. And what's amazing is that... Um, you know, I can be walking along the ocean and there's literally no one around for, for like miles, you know, and it's it's not like white sand beach, but it's like, uh, um, you know, just the intenseness of the beauty and then the uh, and the and the sort of um, ego collapse from having moved to a new place and, and starting over um, to that's to me, that's sort of the, that's the theme. Mm-hmm. I love it. And um, you've also been working on yet another record with Joe Jack Talcum from the Dead Milkman. He has a lot of names. I think he has a lot of Maybe. names. Probably. Joe Jack Ta- Joe Jack Talcum from the Dead Milkman is how I know him. Yeah. Um and that's coming out on This and That tapes, but it's the first vinyl release on yeah, This and That. Yeah. And they've right? received the vinyl. It would that record was finished and supposed to be out like a fucking year ago. Oh, but really? since the whole point of it was to 
it was like we were making a split record, right? Yeah. It was like for this object, like we were like, let's make a record. Like it's, it was so exciting, you know, we're going to make a record. And um, then uh, it takes like a fucking year to, to have a record pressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, the M. Krebs was supposed to be a record also. And, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and Joe, this and that tapes was just like, dude, I don't really know if I'm going to, a year from now, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Really? <laughs> yeah. We're like, okay. That's, yeah. <laughs> He's like, it's really good. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, the other awesome thing is that it comes with, well, there's several different versions to order the record. I ordered the uh, version with some prints and a oh, zine. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. And Are you getting the tote bag? I'm not getting the tote bag. Mm. I got too many fucking tote bags. I really might have said that out loud when I was ordering it. I like I was like, that. this? No, nah, no. Nah. Yeah, but it's uh, it's a wonderful tote bag. It's mm-hmm. all all of your art, which I Just love. Just my my half, my my side. Your half is my side. That's correct. Yeah. Joe Um, Jack's side is, is his art. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm excited to um, finally get a piece of your art. I have, it's not a tour story, but I have a quick story about trying to achieve some of your art, which was the cover, the cover of a triumph of left their G record. And it was just a woman's face, the portrait. Uh huh. And I may have asked you, and I think you may have said, I don't know who has it. Was it the, uh, is it the, is it the record that Teenage Teardrops put out? Yes. Yeah. Callie has it. I just sent, I just sent it to Callie when, when it yeah. was like for him to scan or whatever. It was one of those records that I just left on my turntable leaning against the wall. Cause I love that. I love it so much. Joe, like, it's an incredibly nice compliment. And here's the thing. I, someone said, ask Callie and it may have been you it may have been someone else so I asked Callie and his response felt like uh I got it right here and it's mine (laughs) in the nicest way in a sassy way but I was like oh fuck it was it was really funny Joe I'll send you a piece of art I would love it I'll um if I have to come out to get it I will yeah okay just tell me yeah yeah no I'm yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy to make it for you, but if you think I'm going to go to the post office and put that shit in the mail, you're <laughs> fucking crazy. Because we also have a couple more friends that live out there. Maybe I'll come visit them. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. Um, you going to play uh, any shows with either M. Krebs or... M. Krebs will we're, we'll, we're, we'll play shows sometime. We don't know when. The only show on the books for any project or anything is... Um, Murder City Devils are playing Atlantic City in um, September. Oh, okay. But I don't make any effort to perform live. I make an effort once I'm there, and it's, it, you know, but yeah. I don't push any of that. But I know M. Krebs will, will play play a show at some point, probably, you know, not tour, but play shows with, if people want us to. Um, and, uh, and then back to the uh, the split with Joe Jack Talcum. Um that record is very different. It's acoustic for yeah. the most part and chicken. Um, and it's also got a couple uh, kind of segue pieces. And 
I love the texture of that whole record. That record I listened to a lot today, in fact, when I got up this morning. And I was able to put it on and listen to the whole thing uh, just shuffled or whatever. And the, there's not only are the, are the songs wonderful, but there's a an overall lacquer to it that is really great. I, I, I think it's the recording quality or whatever you were doing. So, you know, I mean, the record is in no way a collaboration. It's like mm-hmm. there's right. two sides and Joe got a side and I got a side. But what we did agree on in the beginning um, is that neither of us would use more than four tracks. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a confusing way to talk. Act <laughs> as though you have a Tascam four track cassette thing in front of you. Right. Which I, I didn't, I, which I would have done the record on if they weren't sort of like expensive and then you don't know if it's going to work or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so instead I recorded everything on my phone using the um, headset microphone that your iPhone arrives with. Yeah. And, um, and I kept it totally clean. Okay. Like I didn't put any effects on anything. I'm probably, that's probably not completely true, but whatever. It Um, sounds like that. And um, the reason that I did that is because I thought that because we were doing this for very little money and um, it was, and the, the idea was that it was going to be on vinyl that, to keep it as minimal as possible was the way to make it kind of like as loud as possible as a final yeah. product yeah. and also not feel like I needed to worry about mastering at all because I felt like if there's only four tracks and each one is mixed is clean and um, mixed to my satisfaction on my own headphones or whatever. Yeah. That probably however it comes out of your stereo when you actually play the vinyl is yeah. probably going to sound good. And and sort of taking an approach of like how like just an old fashioned way to like there's very little happening. And, and, and that's kind of like in the end sort of also like a way to be loud. Yeah, you're right, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not filling up the space. You're not filling the spectrum. You're not blow, you know, because once you start to blow shit out, it it doesn't get loud anymore. Right. Yeah. That was wise. Nice move. But that's why, and then there's the chickens. There's chickens through there. And um, and I have a rule, like with that record, and, and generally speaking, if I'm making music in my own home, which is a very small, Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I live with my wife. My rule is really, really make an effort not to like shush anyone or be like, "This space is sacred." While I'm doing my magic of, um, <laughs> while I tinkle the strings or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, like everything goes. Like if someone walks through the room, if the dog is in there, you know, like, and there's a um. There's that John Fahey song where the um, dog barks and then he yeah. stops and he goes, shh, and then yeah, he keeps yeah. playing. And I'm like, 
it's fucking gonna happen that'll happen you know like let the reference let it happen like let it be like and i kept thinking the whole time about like um you know how you used to be able to like there was i'm sure there was at least two or three times in your life where you went into a thrift store and there was a um reel-to-reel two-track that was at a completely reasonable price yeah. that came with enough tape to fucking record some shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what I was, that's what I wanted. Cause that's go- And that's fucking gone. That's interesting. And I, I, are you familiar with those Latin playboys records? David no, Hildargo? Uh, from, from Los Lobos. Yeah. I don't think I know those records. The story behind at least the first one is that he got home from tour and, of course, was on, you know, nighttime schedule. He had Mm -hmm. children and and, uh, his wife was working and he was he was inspired and determined to lay down these ideas that he came up with on tour. And he did it in his kitchen after everyone went to sleep. So he had a limitation of you know, his volume and his ambience and his reverb, but they got into the hands of Chad Blake afterwards. And I think mostly those two making this record. And it's one of my favorite sounding records ever. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the truth of it, but it seems like the, the story of um, how Nebraska was made is kind of similar also. Oh, it is. I did. Yeah. What a category to be in. Well, it, from a um, <laughs> uh, la- laziness. <laughs> I don't think laziness. Practicality, yeah, yeah at yeah. least. Yeah. Um. All right, man. Well, um, I'm gonna let you go here. Uh, it's late where I am. Actually, not late, but you know. Yeah. It's nice to talk. Before we go, <laughs> I want to tell a story. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna uh. I just want to tell a Sam Jane story. It'll only take about a minute. Yay. You can take as long as you want. When I was um, in high school and uh, Sam Jane was like, uh, um, he must have been like a couple grades ahead of me. And uh, we would have, um, there were school assemblies, but that you weren't, that were during school time, but you weren't, you didn't have to go. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to go to the gym, to the assembly. So Obviously, we weren't going to the fucking assembly. <laughs> there wasn't a lot to do where we lived at. Yeah. Um, so we we're at Sammamish High School, and um, but there was a Kmart that was like four or five blocks away. <clears throat> so me and Sam went to Kmart, and because he had a um, cassette tape, he would um, record. He would go to shows and and record the shows on like kind of like a dictaphone Mm -hmm. but there was a full-size cassette tape and um he had just recently like probably the weekend before seen um super chunk and uh so we went to kmart and sat down on the floor in the stereo aisle yeah and um listened to the uh super chunk show that he had recorded Um. and um that's that's how I, that's how I um that's that's how I, I remember Sam and he was he was a little bit older than me and he knew things that I didn't know like as far as like music stuff 
and um, he uh, really, uh, you know, is just fucking. That's it. He touched everyone. And thank you for turning me on to the um, low record from like last year or something. Oh, how? What do you think about that thing? Jeez, Louise. <laughs> It's like it's like a um, oh shit like I guess maybe I need to like start over <laughs> or reprioritize right. some thing like you know oh they just did the thing that I know it was oh yeah like music doesn't have to be anything no. It- <laughs> Needless to say, when I first heard that record, I was just probably whatever I was doing was stopped in my tracks. I was like, oh, I, I, this is crazy. I gotta listen. I, you know, like, yeah. I'm not just listening to this record uh, without complete focus. Yeah. All right. Um, Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thank you, man. It was great to see you. Uh, man, maybe you next time you come to Seattle and record something we'll record here in my studio also something cool yeah let's do it let's do it fiddle around cool all right uh take care of your bad self if you travel travel safe please yes all right take it easy peace bye
these hard-ass sons of bitches. I grew this mean face and wonder how you still love me. My humiliations, my humblings, are my compadres. I want to hold them and be held by them. Oh, shit. Oh, shit.